Isaiah 6, 3 says, the whole earth is filled with his, with his glory. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's Isaiah 6, 3. Uh, please stand and join us on holy, holy, holy. the congregation to be seated. And Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your house to worship you and to lift up your name. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your purity. And I pray that you would oversee this new season. We thank you for it and that you've gone before us and prepared the way in Jesus' name. Amen. A few announcements here as we uh, look at the weeks and months ahead. Directly after our um, worship service today, there will be a council meeting uh, in, I think, the big classroom, correct? And so uh, council members, we we'll look forward to that time together in planning and looking at the future and uh, different things that we have going on here. High school youth, youth group meets tonight at 6.30 at the church here. And then uh, Lent is beginning, believe it or not, fairly soon. It's early this year. Ash Wednesday is on the 17th of February, and uh, I am in communication with some of the other local AFLC pastors here, and uh, we're hoping to do kind of a pastoral rotation for Lent this year. We'll have a Lenten service on Wednesday evenings, and uh, perhaps rotating some of the pastors around. You might get to hear some of the pastors from the area preaching in a particular series that we're going to do. 
and I'll be off uh, preaching at some of them, and so a great opportunity for us to connect with the different AFLC churches in the area. Also, Mary and I would love to extend an invitation to our home. Um, we're kind of scheduling those out, so don't all show up <laughs> this Friday or anything like that, but uh, you can call the office or you can call myself uh, and uh, set up an appointment for that. We'll have you over for dinner, get to know you a little better, and uh, we've had an opportunity to do that so far and had a, had a great time if you can make the journey down to uh, Monroe, which isn't too bad. So, And then also um, met with the preschool board yesterday, and uh, there was a real need for um, preschool teachers. We're losing two of them. Uh, Ginger is moving uh, this, this summer, and um, uh, also I think uh, one of the other ones is going to be going off uh, uh, as a teacher this coming year. And so could really appreciate uh, if you have a desire to work with kids or you know somebody uh, like that, we would love to hear from you and you can uh, contact Kathy about that as well. And they also need assistance too. So not just the full-time teachers, but those who are just willing to come in maybe for a few hours a week and, and help out with that. So, And then the music team. Uh, we have the music team up here each week that uh, helps lead us uh, to the Lord in, in song. And uh, if you have a desire for that, if that's something that you uh, would like to be involved with, please talk to Kathy, and um, she'll interview you and audition you or, and uh, make sure that you can hold a tune, I guess. <laughs> Some just are not meant to be on the worship team, I guess. So, And then also, uh, part of the service that we're going to be having on the fifth Sundays um, are a testimony. And this is going to be a film thing. Uh, we'll film you and talk to you. It's something that the Lord is doing in your life or has done, and uh, some amazing thing that you would just like to encourage the congregation with. Um, we'll film you and put it up on the screen uh, for that time so you don't have to uh, have the public, uh, you know, the fear of public speaking and coming up in front of everybody, but uh, just a great way to encourage one another. So please contact me if you have a testimony that you would like for that time. And then also new members. Um, perhaps you've been thinking about becoming a member here, uh, getting more involved in the different ministries, being able to vote uh, during congregational meetings and such. Uh, we'll be starting that as soon as we get some people that are interested in that, we'll uh, form that together, and uh, that'll be a seven-week time where we'll just kind of go through some of the basics of uh, what we believe here, uh, the polity of the church, and so please uh, contact uh, the office, Leslie, and let her know if you're interested in that, or you can approach me directly as well. There are many other announcements in your bulletins there, things that you have opportunities to connect with as well, and so please... Um, Take, uh, take advantage of those. Those are great opportunities to connect with the Lord in that way So, and with your uh, fellow believers here. Uh, at this time, we're going to have some congregational prayer. There are many things in our country, in our local area, our congregation, health needs, and uh, uh, the different things that are going on in this congregation. And so as we pray, if you desire to pray, please come on up to the mic here and uh, speak clearly so that not only the people in the uh, sanctuary can hear, but also those that are online listening this morning as we stream to uh, people that uh, are not able to make it for different reasons at this time. And so let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have at this point to be able to worship. I pray that you would break this uh, terrible pandemic, that you would uh, clear the way for us to begin to meet in a more normal way again, reaching out to those who are uh, shut-ins especially and have experienced a lot of isolation during this time. I, Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, help us to reach out to them and to encourage them 
Uh, if there's depression that is um, pushing them down, that you would break that and be their comforter in this time. In Jesus' name. Come on forward if anybody has a prayer that they would like to offer, please. Dear God, I just want to confess some fears we've been having, I've been having, and uh, some anxieties with just with all also that's been going on. God, um, I want to make plans and and control things in my life, and um, there's a lot of some bitterness and anger, God, and and uh, and God, you're in control. Um, you you are the one who lay down the foundations of the earth and God just help me just trust you um, help my unbelief um, God, I think all of us are a little bit scared and I pray that you would that we would just lean into you trust you know that you have a plan that you are going to be the one who's uh, going to take control of everything God um, and all we can do is just listen and follow you and do what you ask and do what you say I pray for healing and forgiveness. Um, there's been a lot of things that have been hurtful that, have, that people have said, a lot of things that have been done that have been hurtful. And um, God, I pray that we would just, uh, just forgive as you forgive us, God. Um, the only thing that can, that can heal us and heal this country is, is your love and faithfulness. Um, so I just want to give that to you, God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just praise and adore you and thank you for everything that you've done for us. And let us remember that each one of us has been put in this place and in this time for such a time as this. And Lord Jesus, just let us remember that the Lion of Judah is greater than any Republican or Democratic party that there is. And let us, let's lean, let us just lean on this Lord Jesus and know that, as Daniel said, um, you are greater than any of this and that you are in control and I just thank you Lord that we are able to congregate and <clears throat> in the sanctuary at this time and I just pray for the churches that are in persecution and the people that are in persecution for their Christian values around the globe and we just bring them to you Lord and lift them up and just Lord Jesus, just be with them, each one of them, during their time. And let us remember that even we can fall to persecution in our churches. And let us just remember that we need to be thankful for the things that we do have and hold. And just heal our land, Lord Jesus. Just bring us back together again. In your precious name, amen.
Father God, um, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that uh, you bring us all together here to celebrate uh, something, some good news, a highlight amongst all the bad news. Today we celebrate the first uh, opportunity for Pastor Strode to to teach and preach. uh, Elam has been on such a journey uh, for many, many, many years, and uh, we just want to celebrate today, Um, and uh, I just thank you for uh, good news and positive things that uh, are in our path. Life is a journey, and uh, pray that we would stick with you, be steadfast, be humble, be obedient, and uh, that we would just follow your ways, and uh, that you would take us on this journey called life, and uh, amongst the ups and the downs, that we could lean on you and rely on you. And uh, I just thank you for this morning. It's a great morning to celebrate amongst all the chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Father, we just lift up all these things, and we have great joy in uh, the fact that you hear our prayers. You are a God who answers. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue in our time of worship? As we sing this next song, we're actually uh, singing the prayer that the Lord taught us in Matthew. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on. Keep that prayer in mind as we sing, Father, you are all we need. Father, Thank you. 
The roots of this well-known song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, um, comes from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Lamentations. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3.23. Let's praise him for this promise with our hearts and our voices. Thank 
the congregation would remain standing, please, as we invite uh, Jack to come forward for the reading of our scripture today. Hang on to my hearing aids, you. Good morning. Good morning. This morning, we'll be reading from Matthew 6, 9 through 15. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the love within this, this church, Elam, like the desert Elam, where there's fresh water and beautiful trees. Let this congregation continue to grow with a new pastor and the way he and his family will help us all to better love each other in the church, in our country, in the world. Amen. Father God, these are your words. I pray that you would bless them today. Use me as your vessel and encourage us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in Minneapolis, Mary and I had some friends that were looking for a house. And one day they invited us to come with them and check out one of the houses that they really liked a lot. They were uh, thinking of putting a bid on it. And so as we went on the tour with them and checked out all the different rooms and such, everything looked great, we loved it. And then we went down into the basement together and uh, we just happened to pull aside uh, a ping pong table that was up against the wall in the basement there. And I saw about the worst thing that you could see in regard to a housing inspection. I saw a huge crack running from the top of the wall from one corner all the way down into the floor of the basement. And as I looked at that crack, I could look through it and actually see earth on the other side of that crack. And so needless to say, that killed the deal because there are a lot of things that you can fix in a house. But in regard to a foundation, you're looking at major trouble. They would have had to jack the whole house up, tear out that entire foundation, and redo it to the probably tune of about $150,000. 
As we think about our faith, there are foundational things that we must know about, that we must believe in, in order to have faith in the right thing. And so over the next 10 months, we are going to be looking at the foundations of the faith. We're going to be looking at those things that set us up for success in regard to our Christian life. Things that we have to believe in in order to have a Christian faith. And this series is going to be called Foundational Triads. And the reason for the word triad is because each of these different foundations, we are going to spend three weeks, three different messages on those particular aspects of the faith. And so, the first three weeks here, we're going to be looking at God the Father. Who is God? That's the title of our first message today. I'm going to be making some points about who God is. You can follow those right along in your bulletins, fill in the blanks, and that'll help you to remember these different points as well. And so, as we look at this supernatural question that is of utmost importance, who is God, we need to consider, first of all, what the source for our information is going to be. For instance, if we decided that the source of finding out who God is happens to be the Koran, then we would discover that God is a God who calls for his followers to fight for him. Slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Whosoever fights in the way of Allah, be he slain or victorious, on him we shall bestow a vast reward. Surah 9.5 and 4.74. We would also find out that this God rewards the good works of his people with celestial virgins in paradise. In Surah 78.31 it says, As for the righteous, they shall surely triumph. There shall be gardens and vineyards and full-breasted virgins for, compan for companions, a truly overflowing cup. Also, we would discover in uh, the Quran that uh, God selected a particular individual, Muhammad, to be his messenger. And whoever discredits that messenger would be publicly tortured and perhaps even put to death. Another source that one might look to to discover about who God is uh, is from the ancient text of the Hindus, the Vedas. This religion numbers over a billion people, mostly in India. And you would discover as you read in the Vedas that there is not just one God, but multiple gods with many different tasks uh, that they accomplish. These gods sometimes cooperate with one another, but sometimes they fight against one another. The three main gods of the Hindus are Shiva, the destroyer, Vishnu, the preserver, and Brahma, the creator. Now I could go on to discuss many different religious texts and what they say about God and their perception of that uh, creator. But as Christians, we believe that the ultimate truth regarding this amazing question and the reality of life and all spiritual matters is this book that's sitting in front of you today, the Bible. And as a Christian preacher, I'm not going to stand up here and give you my particular opinions about life or my perceptions of the spiritual. If you want those, you can tune into many different talk shows on television. But what I am going to do is I'm going to present uh, points from the best source for discovering about God, his own words. And particularly, I would like to look at the Lord's Prayer here, the prayer that Jesus taught us, because in that prayer, 
we discover much about who God is as our Father. First of all, we see that God is relational, our Father in heaven. All of us have a Father, but what kind of Father is or was he? My dad left when I was four years old, and ever since then I've seen him probably, uh, probably less than two dozen times. Uh, so perhaps you had a father that was absent, and that's your perception of a father. Or perhaps you had a father that was hardworking, or is hardworking. That's the way my stepdad was. I don't actually ever remember having fun with him, or what I would consider fun, because his idea of fun was going walking around in the woods and marking trees that we were going to be cutting down the next day. <laughs> also, you might have had a father that was loving and very involved in your life. You might have had a father that was very strict. I think that my children would probably label me as a somewhat strict father, but a very involved father as well. But no matter what kind of father you have, we all know what kind of father we would like to have. Because God has placed that desire within us, the desire for a good father, a father that loves us unconditionally, a father that understands our pain, a father that protects us from harm, a father that leaves us an inheritance. And the amazing thing is that all those desires that we have are fulfilled in God the Father. 1 John 3, 1 encourages us, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And so, this is a special kind of relationship that's different from the other religions. This is a relationship where we have a supernatural being that loves us so very much, not an unreliable super being or a vengeful, vengeful tyrant. The next thing we see in this prayer here that Jesus taught us is that our Father is spiritual. He's in heaven. Now, this can be very confusing in regard to what we think of as spiritual because many people, when they think of spiritual, they think of maybe a specter or a ghost or some kind of ethereal being, maybe floating around in a haunted house. But the true nature of spiritual beings is actually just the opposite of this misnomer of the kind of ethereal ghost. Because the spiritual is always more real than the physical. Because the physical can be destroyed. The physical changes. The physical is very temporary. Whereas the spiritual is more enduring and actually takes an act of God to destroy it. Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. He says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so, the spiritual does not perish. It's more glorious. It's very powerful. And it's much better than the physical body, as you will discover when you get to heaven. <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, the heaven, or the expanse, and the earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so the words of Jesus are more substantial than the Rocky Mountains. 
As a spiritual being, being infinite, God is not limited to a particular space or a particular time. But some might ask, well then, why are there so many instances in the Bible where God's body parts are mentioned, like his face or his hands or his feet? Theologians would describe this phenomena by declaring that God has the ability to take form so that we can interact with him for our own particular sake. But he actually transcends that form. And so when you get to heaven or the new earth, you will perceive that God is sitting on the throne. The Bible tells us that we will actually see his face. But God is not limited to that space and time. He transcends it, and that's why we have the theology that God is omnipresent or everywhere at once. God is here in the room with us. He's across the town here at the church there. He's everywhere. The next thing we see about God is that God is holy. Hallowed be thy name. Knowing that our God is holy should bring us great comfort because holiness is the attribute of purity or cleanliness. And I would ask the question to you, what if you had the power to select a friend or a relative and grant them all the authority and power that God has? But the only catch is that they would have to rule the universe still being the sinful people that they are. How many of you would feel comfortable with that? Giving unlimited power to one of your friends or one of your relatives. Well, for the ancient Greeks and Romans and even the Nordic people, their gods were not much better than the people that they were supposedly ruling over. They were jealous, they were envious, they took revenge, they acted foolishly. And so it should take Uh, Give us great comfort to know that God our Father is not like that. His motives are pure and undefiled by sin, as Numbers 23, 19 tells us. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Also in 1 John 4, 16, it tells us that God is love. Not that he is only loving, but that he is love itself. Everything he does is an act of love. The next thing we see about God our Father is that he is a king. Your kingdom come. One myth about God that was propagated by the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche was that God had created the universe as his last act before dying. In the 1960s, there was actually a theological movement around this premise that God was dead, a phrase that was infamously splashed upon the Time magazine cover of April of that year. But Jesus declares here that we are not praying to a dead God. We are praying to a coming king. And as was shown in the volatile history of Israel and also the world, a coming king can be a good thing or a bad thing. And so it's comforting, as we saw in our previous point, that this coming king is a good king. And one of the most amazing things is that this coming king is coming to share his royalty with us. That he's going to make us royal rulers alongside of him to rule and reign with this coming king. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not begrudgingly, well, I guess I have to, 
He's pleased to do it. He wants to do it. He's excited to do it. And that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. We're going to be ruling and reigning alongside this good king. And so a God who shares his authority with those that he has created, that's the kind of God that we do not need to be afraid of meeting someday face to face. Next we see that our God is omnipotent. How is your willpower? Or rather, should I say, how is your power of will? Many of us wish to impose our will on others. Perhaps one of your children uh, is making a bad decision, bad choices, and you wish you could just will them to do the right thing, to make the right decisions. You wish you could do that by your sheer willpower. Or maybe you would like to use your undeniable willpower to change a bad habit that your husband has, right? Or what about that political figure that just, it seems like they only make laws to make you upset. If you could just will them to make the right laws, right, or the right decisions. But it's interesting that God here, as we pray to him, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we recognize that God has allowed the will of his created beings to sometimes supersede his will. And so he gives us a choice because he wants children and not computer programs. Now, that being said, God's will is going to be accomplished. We see this in many places throughout Scripture. In Proverbs 16, 4, it shows us that even those who disobey God will ultimately accomplish his predetermined will. It says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for a day of trouble. And so we call this God's sovereignty. Now, some might argue, as they did in Paul's day, that if God's will is going to be accomplished, well, who can resist it? Here is where we make a distinction between God's perfect will and his permissive will. And so God permits certain things to happen even though they are against his perfect will in order that a greater purpose might be accomplished. For instance, according to 2 Peter 3.9, God's will or his wish is that none should perish. But the Bible also makes it clear that some people perish, right? And so does that mean that God does not have enough power or will to accomplish his wish? No, it just means that he permits humans to make decisions that are against his perfect will. The reason for this, as declared by Ravi Zacharias, a great theologian and apologist, is that a place where there is free will is the only created place where love can exist. Only in that setting can there be love. Because I'm not compelled by some being from outside of myself to do it. I'm doing it by choice. I want to love God. And so God could make everybody love him, but that's a dictatorial oppression. That's not a king that is good. Next we see here that God is a provider and sustainer. Give us this day our daily bread. One of the beliefs of pagan religions is that in order for provision to be made to humans by the gods that they worshipped, fertility rituals needed to be practiced. And some religions had over 100 fertility gods. In the ancient Greek and Roman uh, beliefs, uh, the Bible mentions temple prostitutes. And so what worshipers would come to do is they would come to the temple, 
and they would pay money to have sex with these temple prostitutes. And the hope was is that the gods would see them having sex and then themselves would have sex and then their fertility would bless the earth with rain and abundance. Okay? In contrast, the scriptures tell us that Jehovah God freely provides for his creation. Psalm 145.16 says, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living creature. And one of the amazing things is he blesses the righteous and the unrighteous, right? He makes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Your neighbor is blessed just as much as you are. And finally here we see that God is a merciful judge. Forgive us this day our debts. We know that he is forgiving, according to Psalm 103.8. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Have you ever had somebody that you had a hard time forgiving? Perhaps they did something to you and you said, I'll never forgive them. Or perhaps you did forgive them, but in your heart you said, I'll never forget what they've done to me. Do you know God actually goes a step farther? He forgives, but he also forgets our sins. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now how does he do this? I believe it's because he covers us with the blood of Christ. And when he looks at us, he can't see our sins. All he sees is his son. We are covered by God. God is an all-powerful being, and he can do this even though we can't conceive of how this can happen. How can somebody forget somebody's sin? And if you have any doubts about God's mercy, listen to a couple of more examples in Scripture. He says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Or, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from us, from me. Don't think east and west world, think east and west universe. <laughs> Start going that direction in the universe and that direction in the universe, and that's as far as the Lord has removed our sins from us. In conclusion this morning, it's difficult for us to get our minds around who God is. We have questions like, well, where did he come from? Or what's he been doing all these years before he created humans, right? Or why doesn't he just appear to me, you know, and tell me that he's God? These things can plague us. And the Bible is somewhat limited in regard to these details, but it does show us enough that we can find comfort that we have a God who loves and cares for us. We have a God that we can look forward to being with forever. About 20 years ago, my mom had a brain aneurysm, and she needed an operation on it. She survived it, but then passed a few years later from it. But as she was being wheeled into the operating room, which was the last kind of coherent moment before the operation, because the operation kind of made her into a vegetable, she said something to me. She said, Scott, don't lose the faith. Keep the faith. But you know, we need the truth about who God is in order to have faith in him. And that's why I encourage you to keep the faith, but keep the right faith Keep the faith in the God who is, as he is, not our own false perceptions of him. 
Someday all our uh, questions will be answered. And so for now we have a partial answer, but it's enough for what we need for the faith for today. And Father God, I thank you so much for this, your word, that you reveal yourself through it and give us an understanding of who you are. I pray that you would help us to draw near to you today, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and join us. How great thou art. Using the melody um, to the um, the song um, that came upon a midnight prayer, um, let's um, 
uh, join us using the words you see on the screen, but using that melody as adapted by Pastor Hoff. things that C.S. Lewis talks about is how our bodies many times help us to interact with the Lord. And so, for instance, when we kneel, our body is doing something that our spirit is doing as well. And so I would ask during the benediction as a new tradition, I guess, maybe Pastor Hoff has already started this, but opening your hands to receive something. The scriptures, as I just mentioned, it says we open our hands and receive from the Lord. And so it's this indication that we are receiving from him. And the benediction is the good word. And so please open your hands and hearts to receive the benediction, the good word from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn. Yeah, that was our closing hymn. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together, and we thank you so much for your blessing over us. And uh, as we go forth, help us to carry this understanding of you with us. Help us, Lord, to shine our lights in the darkness out there. In Jesus' name, amen. The congregation is dismissed. <laughs>